welcome to a pilot of a thing. That's probably the best way to put this. Um, I want to talk about very stupid movies, so I'm going to get my friends together to talk about very stupid movies. That is the long and short of this. Um, I am with my good friend Asuka. Hello. And we are going to talk about a movie by a man who is near and dear to my heart, starring a man who is also near and dear to my heart, Jason Statham in Paul W.S. Anderson's Death Race, yes. um, <laughs> which I rewatched again the other night, and that is strangely the most cohesive movie Paul W.S. Anderson has ever made, at least post-Resident Evil, <laughs> which is saying a lot, because that movie does not have the best structuring at all, but it's a movie. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's really good for the movie that it's not tied to a franchise like Resident uh-huh. Evil, right? Yeah, it's it's like a remake of an old, like, Mad Max-esque mm. Death Race movie. I think starring, like, might be Stallone. So, but we know W.S. <laughs> Anderson does not really care to stick to a script in that regard. Yeah. He is not, like, adapting things authentically. Um, so I don't think it really matters if it is connected to anything or not, because he's going to do his own thing. But yeah, this is definitely, like, the most competent movie <laughs> he's made in a while, at least as far as 2008 went, and by today's standards. Um, I guess doing a brief summary would be good, it's actually pretty easy for this movie. Yeah. Um, it's like, 2012, the US economy crashes, and... In response to that, unemployment and crime hits critical highs, so private corporations take ownership of all the country's prisons. Um, So you now have all these for-profit prisons trying to make more money, so they put prisons into pay-per-view gladiatorial events, such as the titular death race, which, as you can probably guess, is an extremely violent motorsport. Um, Jason Statham is an ex-motorsport racer, think that's what he is. NASCAR uh, was what he did. Yeah. Um, who's just like, he's, he's, he's like the everyman. He's, he's trying to provide for his family. It, like, the shattered economy has, has made that obviously very difficult. He's done some, like, ex-con stuff. I know that's like a loose thing. Um, but he gets framed for the murder of his wife and arrested. Um, and in prison... Uh, prison shenanigans happen, and he gets roped into the death race to take on the role of this, like, masked figure Frankenstein, who is, like, uh, like the hero of the death race among the, the viewers. He's, he's like, for, like, another race off his freedom, but he accidentally dies because he was killed um, by um, the wardens. And, and essentially, Jason Statham gets promised if he wins one more race, he'll earn his freedom. Um over the course of these races, he learns that the Warden Hennessy had his wife killed to make him com- compete in the death race, and that, like, he's either going to remain in prison to ro- race, or he's just going to be killed when he eventually wins. <laughs> so, mm. uh, he plots his escape. That's essentially the movie. It is pretty straightforward in that regard. It's Mario Kart, but directed by Zack Snyder. Oh, yeah, but, yeah that's the important <laughs> thing. The death race is, like, BattleBots. But also with Mario Kart, like, power-ups. There's, like, swords and shields that they drive over that power up their guns. Or, like, 
the def- the shield ones are very vague. It's like I mean, it gives them either like a smoke bomb, napalm, or oil, right? That they can like yeah, dispense to yeah, the back. It's, it's weird. <laughs> very. Um, but yeah, this is like the least subtle movie about the prison industrial complex you could possibly make, and like for profit prisons. Uh, yeah, like it's like you even get the very start of it. The movie has this big like Star Wars esque title mm. crawl of like basically my summary at the start and then how like the audiences were getting bored of of whatever the hell they were making the the prisoners do. So now they've got to have the bigger and 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 bolder events, and that was the birth of the Death Race, which is like the the cars in this movie are just like regular like suvs that they just soup up with like assets from the saw movies just tacked on <laughs> like, just like very spiky things yes because spikes makes ev- make every car cooler right yeah i think there's like only like one scene where someone actually gets like killed using spikes on it i don't even think that was like i think that was the big like like tanker truck that they has their, is their like secret weapon mm. to to make the race more interesting. So it's like mostly just big car with gun. Yeah, that, that's the deal. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's 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 really just you know like let's battle bot these uh, yeah. these cars <laughs> up like just weld some guns and like weapons onto it and you know it's gonna have to work. Uh huh. And then like Statham's car has like this big shield on the back as well oh yeah <laughs> do they get rid of like twice in a race it's it's great mm, yeah yeah it's it's definitely like i think for like what you said about it it's that's the entire movie right there's like nothing additional nothing like subtle uh-huh. no themes really <laughs> like of course you know the the prison complex sucks and like the people yeah. in power suck but you know uh, it's yeah. it's really just race movie, but deadly and like explosions yeah. are cool. It's Fast and Furious for the Joker. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like I guess that's just like the thing that W. S. Anderson does. He's like, here's like an idea, but I'm not going to care about that idea. I just want like like in this case, Jason Statham to do cool shit, mm. or like my wife to do cool shit. Who isn't in this movie? I'm surprised she didn't end up in this one. I did look up why, and I think oh, she right. was, like, late-stage pregnant with their first child oh, at the time. that makes sense. Um, so, because I think she's been in every movie except Death Race since they met at a, a set of Resident Evil in 2002. Yeah. Right, so it's yeah. all... And I think that's actually really interesting, because, um, you know, I've never actively seen a Paul uh, W.S. Anderson film before this. And then I looked mm. it up in preparation for this and watched some Resident Evil and Three Musketeers and stuff. And I noticed that he's really good at making Mila Jovovich shine. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, that like that is that is like entirely his his mo in these movies. Mm. Like, it's, it's how can I make my wife do cool shit? But like, there, there's also just the fact that Mila Jovovich is very. I mean, she's attractive. She's also just very good at like pulling the screen in, right? Like. She is a presence Ooh, on yeah. screen. Jason Statham is the same because he plays this like totally straight, right? Like for him, this is uh-huh. the most serious movie in the world as he plays this, which every movie is. He's the same in Crank, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So Paul is really just 
really good at making them shine at supporting these actors that are really good at this i think uh-huh. because yeah oh that's a good point d- yeah. there is a female character in death race but she doesn't have any presence at all like she <laughs> might as well not be there and like you know he truly is the most faithful man and like he doesn't care about any woman other than his wife uh, <laughs> and that's that's like kind of the thing right that's that's what i noticed and then like three musketeers has like a pretty good cast of um of like actors right like very uh-huh. a lot of well-known actors that all like work like this and that makes the movie very fun um mm-hmm. so yeah that's what i noticed about death race and found the most interesting it's just you know give him actors that love to do this bullshit and yeah everyone's gonna be great yeah there's a few characters that i really like um coach in this movie like Ian McShane just like eats up his role as like just older guy like his whole thing is like he could have left but he didn't which is I don't know if he was trying to make a point with that of like prisons are are, like the everlasting like cycle of crime and how like prisons like how he's just like like missing that step step by just never leaving Mm, yeah he's He's tied to the death race. That's that's what he wants to do. I'd love for it to be like you know critique on like how hard reentry into society is, but I don't trust this movie to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> there are like sequels to this. I know Paul W. Sanson is not like connected to them, and I know they just like recast like another bold guy in <laughs> space in, in uh, where Jason Statham should be. I don't know if he plays the same character, but like. I wonder if those movies try and do that, but I'd imagine they do not because I think they're all like straight to video on demand type things. Yeah. God, those sure look like movies. They do look like movies. Yeah, your point about like other women in this, there's like. It's very male gazy when it comes to the, uh, the like co writers. Like the, the, ones they ship in from the woman's prison that's like a whole thing they have to be showing midriff and or Mm. cleavage at all times it's pretty rough and then like the warden is like full-on girl boss Mm. i love her like under the table mini shotgun on on, like crotch height i am so mad that that never like actually gets to be used that she Uh that's that's so sad she should have just like shot the other warden dude um, <laughs> ju- just for the sake of it, really, because that's yeah, she's she's girl boss. Yeah, what even other characters in this? There's sort of like the guard who is like really smarmy the whole time and ends up dying at the end with with the warden. Yeah. Uh, there's the guy who Hennessy like uh, coerced into killing Jason Statham's wife, who is like whatever. He he's there. Uh, there's Tyrese Gibson, like, fresh off Fast and Furious, who is, like, entirely different character to those <laughs> movies. He's very, for once, very serious and, and grim. They also do very homophobic jokes around him, which sucks, but, uh... Mm. Like, his whole thing is, like... Because all, all of the Death Racers have, like, this female co- co-writer, and, and there's a bunch of shit about that. But, like, Tyrese Gibson has like a male rider all the time and 
he claims it's because like oh he gets through them so quickly and the film very quickly makes homophobic jokes about that yeah <laughs> which is a pretty pretty rough i think not the best look in these movies um but it's a prison movie you have to make homophobic jokes somehow that's true better not drop the soap right <laughs> yeah the death races are like the appeal of this movie i guess like there's a bunch of prison stuff most of it, Jason Statham beating dudes up. Mm. Like I feel like that's like ninety five percent of anything that's not actually on the on the race course is just Jason Statham beating people up. Yeah. Um, and like yeah, the races of Mario Kart. <laughs> the races are uh There's that t- um big like sports esque um CG graphics for like introducing the death race i don't know if the movie ever like explains like how many laps you do or like how the race works beyond you drive you don't you try not to die you try and kill someone else like that's 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 all that's really gone into detail yeah like there's no way of telling like how close jason statham is to winning at any one time or like how much is like oh a real big setback because like I mean, that's just the thing with W.S. Anderson, like, there's no, like, narrative cohesion in how he shoots things, <laughs> like, there's, you, you, while, yeah, this is definitely a more cohesive movie than, say, like, Afterlife and Retribution, this is, like, definitely still impossible to follow if you're trying to, like, actually follow what is happening on a, on a beat-to-beat basis. Yeah, there's, there's, like, also just so much unnecessary stuff in a way like the whole subplot with um with his wife being killed by the specific of a racer right yeah that's just like completely useless because the payoff for that which is you know him uh here's Stephen getting out of the car and breaking his neck uh instead of you know driving the race regularly like there, there's there, that's no payoff like there's nothing we yeah. get out of that <laughs> right yeah. we already know he goes against the warden's orders but Mm-hmm. You know, and then the entire other racers, except for Tyrese Gibson, who is more important, like everyone else is just, they are just there. They are filler. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, there's a few guys who, like, get shown to die. Like, there's a guy who, like, almost wins or something, or, like, almost dies, and he, like, gets out of his car and he starts yeah. shouting, like, you can't kill me, and then immediately gets hit by a car. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's, there's, like token Asian guy who's called like fourteen K or something, yeah. <laughs> who dies to the big oil tanker truck thing. Yeah, that, that's also like I mean that's obviously right. Paul W S Anderson needs like one thing that he thinks is the coolest thing in the world. In this oh, movie, yeah. it's like the dreadnought or what they call it, which <laughs> yeah. is just the big fucking tank truck. <laughs> uh, and that was pretty cool, right? Like how they actually even beat it. Um, yeah, <laughs> because that was payoff for something that happened earlier with them like luring it into this death trap, mm-hmm. and the, the fucking like dreadnought just falls apart when it crashes <laughs> into the the roadblock thing. Yeah, just like the f- back of it just flips over. Yeah, that felt like like something that would happen in like the mid Fast and Furious movies, right? I've never actually seen oh, those, but but yeah. there is like trucks that get like uh, overthrown by cars, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think, like, Fast and Furious, the fourth one, I'm pretty sure came out around this time, and that opens on the gang, like, 
heisting a big oil tanker and like having to like having a big set piece with that so that was like entirely for the time so this movie like while is is definitely nowhere near as wild as like how the fast and furious movies are by today's standards for the time they were pretty on par like i can see this movie being appealing to that kind of audience which makes me wonder if this was just Paul Davis Anderson wanting to do Fast and Furious, but he couldn't get on one of those movies. Mm. I mean, you know, he just he just does he just does these movies in, in its own right. We talked about this, right? Like, uh, yeah. a Resident Evil Afterlife takes a lot from Dawn of the Dead, obviously, right? With them, well, they mm-hmm. they are in a prison, but it's very similar to the mall in Dawn of the Dead, and like yeah. other movies of its kind. And then Retribution reminded me a lot of Aliens. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And so he he just takes movies and, like, you know, that he thinks are cool, probably. Which, it's the same thing that Tarantino does, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, just, I'd say Tarantino does it a bit more um, elegantly. Heartfully, yeah. (laughs) Right. And uh, it's it's great, though, just to see, like, this uh, filmmaker who's just you know doing what what he thinks is really cool and there's no nothing up his ass about it mm-hmm. right i think like a few movies um like the later resident evils uh have a bit too much like this mythology and lore right uh-huh. that uh this movie doesn't have at all right there's like just that subplot mm-hmm. with like you know oh they they you know bring people in like they kill uh they accuse people of crimes to bring them in to to drive their death race. And that's like the only background you really have for this movie. And everything else yeah. is just straightforward action. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's what we yeah. need more of, especially nowadays, right? Like this was 2008, which is also when Iron Man came out, which, you know, oh, yeah. spelled the death of like cinema uh, <laughs> as like standalone stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I think this movie is less an example of it, but I think when we think of, like, early 2000s, very, like, um, like, lack of cohesion, just a very, like, relaxed approach to making movies like this, of just being like, I don't really care about, like, storylines and all of that stuff, I will do what I think is cool, mm. was a very 2000s thing. Yeah. And I think, like, the uh, like the move with with Hollywood of like cinematic universes, which is just the most annoying idea that they have had <laughs> of just pumping out media left and right. I think just like movies that do not care if there's going to be a sequel, yeah. even if they set up sequels, is just excellent. Yeah, it's like, you know, nowadays movies, like, you know, like the MCU, they are made to print money and they are made in ways that are guaranteed to print money, right? And Death Race, I I imagine Paul Anderson going into a boardroom and, like, just excitedly talking about, like, how he wants to remake that film or something. And the people are like, we don't know if this will make money, but we believe you, right? (laughs) And then he gets to do that movie while, you know, a lot, like, Obviously, movies like that still exist nowadays, but, like, the prevalent movies nowadays are very much, you know? Yeah, they don't end up being the big movies. Yeah. Like, you couldn't release this and it'd be, like, top of the box office. This would be, like, that Hellboy remake that Mm -hmm. came out that no one remembers and no one likes. This would be 
like that. If you release an action movie, it needs to be part of a big franchise, or it needs to be a Disney movie, <laughs> or like Universal. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> you can't just release like movies like this. Yeah, I mean, this isn't even Hollywood, right? Uh-huh. Uh, actually, it is produced by Universal as well, but. Hmm. I don't know. He does like he actually makes a lot of movies in Germany as well, which I find interesting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Probably just because German uh, national founding for movies is like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> we'll give you money. Uh which then leads to some German actors in some of his movies. Uh huh. Uh, there's that one at the start of um. Yes. Uh. uh Three Musketeers, right? Yes, Till Schweiger, who is infamous. He is like, <laughs> he's probably the most well-known outside because he was also an Inglorious Bastards. He didn't. Uh-huh. He didn't speak like a sing- like maybe one line in German in that movie, right? He's like, uh, mm-hmm. and but for us in Germany from the like late nineties onwards, he's been one of the most prevalent filmmaker in German like he actually directs those movies and stars in those movies and okay. and they're all like family romances like really cliche uh-huh. and really horrible and lots of those he casts his own daughters in it right like when they uh-huh. like there's one that's uh, that's famous that his daughter was like six or seven or something and he was like sure you know you get to play play the main role in this movie <laughs> about you know uh stuff like that and everyone hates him. He's like, he's like the prime example of why Germans don't like German film, because most uh-huh. like all the popular film is on that level. And then he's just randomly in like the early scenes of um, in the, like the first part of the Three Musketeers, and I, I could not. <laughs> why, <laughs> why do you do this to me? <laughs> Fascinating. And then later I found out, okay, that movie was actually shot in Germany, and they probably mm-hmm. just needed a German actor so they, you know, could, like, uh, work out the funding. So they squeezed him out at the start. Yeah. Right, which is... <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, the the second part of that film plays almost entirely in the actual palace of Versailles. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they they actually shot in that location. So, But the first part, which is in Venice, was shot in studio in in germany uh-huh. so you know that's just that's where they can squeeze him in and then they can leave him there while they get, go shoot the rest of the film something like that <laughs> fascinating film yeah that movie is that's a movie that i think is definitely a lot better than, than death race <laughs> um but also trademark anderson mm. very worthless to try and follow <laughs> because it's just He's going to do whatever. Bullet times and Mila Jovovich and what else do you need in life? <laughs> yeah, like I, I said this a couple of times, but like it is bold to an, like adapt Duma and be like, yeah, I'm going to have my wife do the Resident Evil laser corridor, but like 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 16th century France style. Yes. And then also bullet time. It's, oh my God, what a movie. Yeah, that that's just... Paul, right? He's that, that's his movies. They are amazing. Like 
I, I mean, I did also watch Mortal Kombat, which is just horrible, like the nineteen uh-huh. uh, ninety five one. That's just a bad, like a boring movie as well, uh, with like uh-huh. horrible computer effects and obviously no Mila Jovovich. Uh, and then like seeing his two thousands output, like especially the first Resident Evil, Death Race, Three Musketeers. Oh, that's just so much fun! Like, mm-hmm. really, the best case against like intellectual criticism, right? Where a movie needs to uh-huh. have deep themes and stuff to be good, and these movies are just fun. Uh-huh, which is interesting because, like, probably his most like, f- if we move away from infamous but like most well-known movie is Event Horizon, which is a very like that movie is like a mixture of a bunch of stuff. That's Alien. That's Hellraiser. That's like a bunch of horror sci-fi stuff but like that's a really like interesting movie if like quote unquote of like thematically and and pretty well put together so it's funny seeing that after seeing like mm. resident evil the final chapter which is the <laughs> the least caring movie ever made a movie where he just goes full-on how do i end this franchise <laughs> where i have just fully decided that narrative doesn't matter filmmaking doesn't matter I will just string images together with my wife in. <laughs> I will add finality to this franchise, and that is the most unwatchable movie ever made. Wonderful. That I still need to check that one out. Yes. It's got some editing. Um, one of the editors works with um, the Crank guys a lot. Mm. Um, and like worked on one of the Ghost Rider movies, the one with Nick Cage. Mm. Like, like... I challenge anyone to watch that movie and remember anything after it because it is edited like an a- like an alien edited that movie. <laughs> Lovely. An alien came down. The only movie they'd ever seen was Resident Evil Retribution. It's like, <laughs> okay, I can do this. <laughs> I'll edit this movie. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I guess, like, his most recent is Monster Hunter, mm. which is which is another weird case because I I wonder. Because his last movie before this was Final Chapter, a movie, as I've said, like he he just went full on of whatever he wants, and I wonder if when he worked with Capcom, because he worked with the Monster Hunter World team on it, mm. he worked with them with like specifically for like the monster designs and and how they'd move and stuff. But like, I wonder if there was someone who said, okay, we're going to give you this property, but we need like someone else here to be like controlling what happens because that movie is half like kind of authentic monster hunter movie half paul ws anderson doing his thing and it never really hits a balance between the two and i can totally understand why that movie is like like insufferable to people because it doesn't quite have the bullshit ws anderson stuff it kind of does like obviously with having the like un military quote unquote in it and all of the military stuff and having like the Tony Jar and and, and uh Mediovich stuff. Like that that's definitely all him. But then there's like, okay, but you need to have them like do stuff mm. that is similar to the game. Yeah. Oh yeah, but then he also sets up stuff that is has never been in a Monster Hunter game ever. Like the like the evil sorcerer who's yeah channeling people into into the Monster Hunter Isekai world. That, that, that like, whole lore stuff with the tower was weird. With, like, ancient civilization. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was... That was weird. 
and entirely inconsequential to that movie. Mm. Like, that's all set up for a sequel that he may never get to do. It it will never happen. Never. Like, I do not think this is a a Resident Evil situation where, like, these movies have kind of, like, hit a weird niche and, like, Capcom are are, are happy for him to keep making these movies. He just, like... (laughs) Like, the movie ends so abruptly that movie's pacing is bizarre it would be amazing though if we got like six more movies oh, uh, oh, over totally. the next like, 10 years they'll get progressively more like ws anderson <laughs> like hell yeah i will i will watch that day one on release <laughs> definitely yeah like i i hated the monster hunter movie but i would oh, watch that. the sequel just for his bullshit yeah there is there is that movie's pacing, as I said, is just so weird. Like, nothing happens, really. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's stuck in that middle point of the movie for the entire movie. Mm. And then only ever leaves it when credits roll. Like, they, they introduce Gormagala at the very end of the movie, and then it credits roll immediately. And it's like... I, I don't understand why, like, did... Was he really confident in there being a sequel to this, or does he not care? And he was like, "I, I do not know how to implement Gormagala. but that doesn't seem right. Like, like the Resident Evil monsters, like when there are like big behemoth monsters from the, in the Resident Evil movies, like he can fit those in. Like mm. he can fit like the liquor and stuff in Retribution. Like, <sighs> it's a shame. Like that movie could have been so much more stupid. Yeah, I mean, with Monster Hunter, maybe again it was like that people were pulling on his reins right they were like you uh-huh. you have to do this right because you know sequel bait is always good right yeah like if, yeah. even if it, there, there isn't a sequel there's a higher chance if you bait it than if you don't something uh-huh. like that right so because it, did, it didn't feel like he was a monster hunter fan right like yeah it's weird he he seemed like he wanted to do something else like at every point in that movie except when they have like the monsters in the movie mm. but even then like Nasilla's in that movie and Nasilla is like pretty unrecognizable as Nasilla. it's just a bunch of spiders yeah. <laughs> um but i think it's very clear that whoever he was working with was like no you're making a monster hunter world movie we're gonna put in all these characters from monster hunter world this is going to be recognizable as a monster hunter world movie you can do whatever you want beyond that mm. <laughs> and maybe he just like lost interest because he was more restrained in what he had to do or how he had to lead the story yeah i i hate that it's like more a gate and uh, uh, adaptation like the, yeah. the, the shitty isekai, isekai nationalist <laughs> anime uh it's, it's totally it's, gate that's it it's more more that than like monster hunter and then there's mm-hmm. there's like forty minutes in the middle of that movie when there is no dialogue because Milajovic and Tony Jaw do not understand each other and they do not bother talking. <laughs> so it's just thirty to forty minutes of that's such a weird movie. That is like oh. like this like I said, there's some fun nods to the series in there. Like I think I think the fact that he worked with the the Monster yeah, World that... team and getting those monsters look looking how they do and like they don't look amazing they're very gray they're very how you'd expect them to look at a ws anderson movie but like they're, they're like i can imagine in a better movie monster hunter fans would like love those monsters yeah. um and like there's that whole training sequence where she's like 
like playing like using dual blades and and all of that stuff it's it's cute like the the muscular chef from the game is in there mm, yeah that's ron perlman looks very strange <laughs> as like one of the, the the guild guild members the handlers there like there's clearly like more consideration in that to like have fan service than there is in resident evil or like some of his other other movies like that like he he clearly was like either coerced or like actually interested in giving people recognizable things it's i do think though that resident evil is definitely the better video game adaptation like the, the uh-huh, original because, yeah well, I, i've never played resident evil so i don't actually know how much of that is true but from like osmosis and stuff uh-huh. i felt like you know i actually wanted to watch that movie and it made me interested in looking stuff up about resident evil uh-huh i think like the first resident evil is meant to be like a prequel to the games so like prequel yeah. to one i i've played a bit of one and i didn't get very far <laughs> Based on the movie, it's very different to to what I played, but it could be totally different halfway through, as uh, Resident Evil games tend to be. Um, but like that movie definitely had a lot of influence on the series, like Laser Corridors being <laughs> being a yeah. major one, and like and then vice versa with like um, Afterlife straight up ripping a bit from um, Resident Evil Five, I think it yeah. is, like that entire fight scene at the end of Afterlife. I also love the fact that I sent a friend a screenshot, a friend who's very much into the games but hasn't seen the movies, and it was just uh-huh. a random shot uh, with uh, some characters standing around, and they instantly recognized Leonis Kennedy in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, like, it's just, you know, nailing that design on, like, this character from the games, and then obviously there's also the, the uh-huh. Red Fields and uh, other characters that one might know from the games or you know in my uh-huh. in my case from like marvel versus capcom <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> one thing i found out earlier today is ada wong in those movies was like put in to appeal to the chinese audience the chinese okay. box office but and like she's played by Li Bingbing, who's like really big in china but her lines were dubbed over by the person who plays ada wong in the games which is something okay <laughs> so i don't know if that's a situation of like leaving bing's english isn't great I've, i don't think i've ever seen her in anything where she's like had an english-speaking role but like that is just such a a way to put her in the movie it's like yeah you're in this movie but we're gonna dub you over like like 70s italian horror style mm. where we're just gonna dub over everything in post <laughs> Uh, he's he's a filmmaker. He he would not appreciate being called a filmmaker. I'm sure, <laughs> given how much he doesn't care about filmmaking. Yeah, he's... it's it's just a job, right? Yeah. Like, like I mean, he's he's like the ultimate winner. He made like you know he did his job and found a wife who's also a model, uh. <laughs> uh, who is fully into just doing whatever the hell he thinks is cool. Like it's it's. He definitely won, yeah. Actually, has Mila Jovovich been in any movies without him in, like, the past oh. ten years or something? That is a good question. Yeah, she's in, like... Oh, she was in Hellboy in the 2019 oh, right, one, and yeah. then, like, some sequels. Oh, she was, she was into the, like, the Zoolander sequel that came out 
last decade that I don't think anyone watched. But yeah, beyond that, I don't think so. But she was like into like, she was in Fifth Element. She yeah. was in Ultraviolet or like Underworld, one of those like Both. movies that Both. Both. were very of like Resident Evil's time. No, she she wasn't actually in Underworld, but though I oh, right. I oh. always think of Underworld as like very close to Resident Evil because. Uh-huh. That's that's yeah. just how my teenage years were. I had a friend who was really into both, uh, in like just that kind of movie, right? So, uh huh, totally. And I feel like I remember Ultraviolet being like basically a Paul W S Anderson film. Like that felt uh-huh. like that. Though I've not seen that movie since two thousand six, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could very well be. It's the 2000s. Yeah, it's like that whole, you know, Matrix was successful uh, Mm kind of style of, like, sci-fi. Yeah, Uh, every movie wanted to be The Matrix. Yeah. With all of the problems that come with wanting to be The Matrix. (laughs) And again, it would really feel like, you know, he would just make a movie that's a thinly veiled, you know, Matrix uh, copy if... I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like the Matrix. Maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he liked bullet time enough yeah, to, to, to... to like the Matrix. I'd imagine he's. Yeah, I'd imagine he probably likes the Matrix. He likes aliens. He likes. He likes. Fucking. Sci fi like that. He does, yeah. It's just. What, what a man. Truly, like. <laughs> what a man. The pinnacle of humanity. Oh, so I just remembered he did the Alien vs. Predator mm-hmm. movie in the 2000s, so that kind of tracks of him just wanting to make Alien a bunch. Yeah. He wants to make Alien, he wants to make Dawn of the Dead, um, he wants to make The Matrix, and he wants to put his wife in all of them. That's it. He probably watched like Alien and was like, yeah, but what if Ripley was Mila Jovovich? Right. <laughs> yeah, what if my wife was Ripley? <laughs> That's like, you know... Aspiring. Gotta respect the <laughs> hustle. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously the other going back to Death Race, the other amazing part about that is Jason Statham. Who Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've recently come to make part of my identity. Uh but ever since <laughs> I had to watch Crank for university and like I didn't have the time to watch Crank and I was really tired, so I had like I think three cups of coffee. And watch the film at 1.3 times the speed. That is the way to watch Crank. Sure, there is, truly. Like, that, that, that should be how you view Crank. Yes. For everyone. Like, God, that's a great movie. I want to watch that it's, again. It's it's so much fun. It's, again, same I... as Paul W.S. Anderson films, right? It's, like, not critically acclaimed good, and intellectual uh-huh. criticism doesn't get you anywhere because it's dumb as heck. But yeah, <laughs> oh, is it good at being dumb as heck? Yeah, Neville and Taylor are uh, filmmakers I really want to watch more of, just because they have that exact same energy of just doing whatever. Yeah, I need to watch Gamer. I need to know <laughs> what that movie is. Same. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, they, but they yeah. actually made the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider, or is that like another uh, one? Yeah. Because I don't remember that poster just on Letterboxd. No, there's two of them. Uh. One 
which is the one you know I know I actually and then a later one which is by Taylor and Neville Dean. Amazing. Ah. Fascinating. I bet it's horrible. <laughs> Most likely. I I think I've seen the first one. I couldn't remember anything about it, but I'd imagine I've seen it. It's one of those movies. They should put Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider in the MCU. They should. <laughs> I wouldn't want Nick Cage anywhere near the MCU, but like <laughs> if they've got to put him in there, like just give him give him Ghost Rider. Or just make another Ghost Rider and call it something else so they don't get sued by Disney. They should give Ghost Rider to Paul W.S. Anderson. They should. They, sh- they should put I... him and Nicolas Cage like together. I want to see like the average MCU audience watch a Paul W.S. <laughs> Anderson movie and like be told, yeah, this is part of the MCU. This is critical. Oh, that, that would be great. Give him, like, make him do, like... The Resident Evil Retribution of whatever the MCU are doing next, and just like put it out as their next Endgame. Mm. I want them to do that. He really does love like putting in past characters, right? Like Resident mm-hmm. Evil is constantly here's an old ally, and then Retribution <laughs> just is like, how do we get through this with like a total of six actors, clones, <laughs> <laughs> and every, every actor yes. has like three roles. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, and the benefit of clones is you can kill off characters and then just bring them back yes. again. Because, <laughs> like, like, Wesker dies and it's like, oh, he's back again in Retribution. The one in Afterlife was a clone. So, you can just do whatever. You, you, if you have the money, you can just make movies about anything. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, and, I mean, apparently he does have uh, money, right? He produces most of those movies as well. Like yeah. most of the stuff he does, which is fascinating. Like, <laughs> there's no way he would be able to do as much as he does if he didn't. Yeah. Like if he didn't have full like financial and creative control of these movies, he would not be able to do nearly any of the stuff he gets to do. I wonder how though, because like no way do these movies earn him enough, right? Yeah, that's a that's another that, good point. That... I do not know. They must just operate at a loss. Like, he must just have, like, <laughs> enough money to put a movie out, it flop, and just go, yeah, well, I'm making the sequel right now. It's going to be even crazier, even more unwatchable, even less people are going to watch this one. Like, I remember being shocked that there was still Resident Evil movies in 2016. <laughs> like, the fact that they were still making them a decade and a half later is just crazy. I think this, like, um, studio, Impact Pictures, is just, like, his thing, right? Uh-huh. So he just has his own film studio. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And they made movies like Dead or Alive. Uh, <laughs> and, like, obviously everything he has created since since Resident Evil. Man, this looks like a movie. I need to know what his Pompeii movie is. That's, like, one mm. of the ones I haven't seen yet. I need to see how he, like, what he does with the concept of Pompeii. <laughs> if that's, that's... if you look at, like, just the poster on Letterboxd, it's, like, you know, it seems very, like, dramatic and rom- romantic, too, right? There's two people kissing on yeah. it. And then you go on its Letterboxd page, and, like, the backdrop at the top is just action movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wonderful. 
God, he's he's a guy. And I'm like, I don't think there's another filmmaker who I get as excited for when it's announced that he's making a new movie than him. Just because I know he's gonna be on some bullshit. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely like, uh, he's not made a movie since I had him on my radar, which you know has been two weeks mm-hmm. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it's yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that name pop up in films again. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else about Death Race? I don't think so. There's some like good Statham in that movie. That's 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 really it. Like, I don't know if it's it's gonna turn into like, do I recommend this movie or not? Because I think like if you're into Jason Statham, it's worth a watch. But like, um, there's like one scene that, like, really stands out, especially after watching a bunch of Fast and Furious, is when Jason Statham, like, flips the car around mid-race to shoot at the car behind, which is just such a Fast and Furious thing. Like, there's a scene in Furious 7 where uh, Jason Statham and Vin Diesel drive headlong at each other and, like, crash into each other, and it's got that exact same energy. I love that scene because there was no point to it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. Like, they don't even, like, you know, go into it, because at some point he just gives up, because it doesn't get, uh, get him anywhere, and, like, you know, they don't even show that he's frustrated and is looking for another way to win. He just did that in uh-huh. between, and then, like, you know... Yeah. It's f- fascinating. But, yeah, I'd, I'd also, like, as a Statham fan, I would recommend it, like, for Statham fans, but probably <laughs> not otherwise. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Especially as, like, it, it's definitely... The least, if you're into W.S. Anderson as well, like, you've probably seen this movie in that case, but, like, it's it's definitely the the least, like, fun to watch in that regard. It's, like, a fine action movie. It's, it's fine. But, like, if you're expecting, like, Resident Evil or, like, Three Musketeers, you're not getting that with this. You're getting very standard action movie with some W.S. Anderson vibes throughout. Yeah, and also, obviously, if you aren't a Statham fan, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Become a Statham fan. Yeah, just watch Crank, come on. Uh, but yeah, that's probably what we've got to say about... Yeah. We could talk for hours about Resident Evil Retribution, but we'll oh, save that for another yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that, that will have to come eventually. Uh-huh. We'll also have to talk about Kassan at some point, because mm. that fit was into a same similar sort of area. Y- yeah, I mean, you know, I told you that you, like, Three Musketeers and Goemon, which is by the same director as Kassan, uh, uh-huh. those are, like, the whole Venice part of Three Musketeers is ripped right out of Goemon, approximately. <laughs> I totally need to watch uh, Except, obviously, Goemon is filmed entirely in front of a green screen, which adds another layer to it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, Cash and obviously, and like I- I'm sure we can find many more films. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I want this podcast for. Yeah. Just insane people movies, as we've as we've dubbed with with the group watch. Mm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Thanks to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs>